You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. I'm Mike Casaza. Welcoming in Chris Anderson for the preview, weekly preview, coming up here. TCU unbeaten, number seven, one of six and O teams in the FBS. They are seven and O. Taking on West Virginia, which is not and O. They've been like and uh oh. Could see some more of that this weekend because Chris, the Horn Frogs play a little bit of offense, don't they? They do play offense. They rank top 25, I believe, in both rushing offense and passing offense. So um, it's not great for a West Virginia team that that has been giving up a lot of points uh, and a lot of yards against a lot of teams. So this could be another wild one on Saturday. Points per game. Important, if you ask me, maybe the most important stat, number three in the country. Yards per game. uh, It can vary. I think you can get like empty calories in yards per game. Number three in the country. Yards per play, that's a good stat. Also number three in the country. So by many measures, just one of the best offenses in the country that belongs to one of the best teams in the country coming to town against one of the worst defenses in the country. It's about matchups, Chris. Um, That's a pretty ominous matchup, I guess. And then when you look at the state of West Virginia's defense, especially back to front, injuries, performance, et cetera, It's a dark day, it seems like. I don't know how you could feel great about this. doesn't guarantee anything. It certainly suggests some number of outcomes. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to end up like a lot of games that uh, we've talked about recently. I think not necessarily the win-loss, but the shootout variety. Um, I think it's it's been over a month now where you and I both – I mean, more than a lot, it's like the second week of the season where after the Kansas game, we both realized, hey, this is it going to be a season where West Virginia is not going to be able to play defense. It's just not going to happen. And they're going to have to win games and shootouts. And this feels like another one, especially with the way TCU plays uh, on both sides of the ball, to be quite honest, because, yes, they're number three in the country in scoring, uh, you know, scoring offense, total offense, everything you just said, top 20, not even top 25, top 20 in both rushing and passing offense, but they're also not great on defense. And I think I was rattling it off the stats the other day when, when Neil Brown was doing his press conference, but number 90 in total defense in the seventies for scoring defense and uh, the one hundreds for passing defense. So the opportunity is there for West Virginia to try to turn this into a shootout and make it, make it weird. And, and they hope, you know, they end up on the right side of that weirdness. Okay, we'll get into the sides of the ball, the matchups, what you like, what you worry about. I want to hit on a point you have there. I don't think it's very difficult to diagnose or prescribe, I should say, a way for West Virginia to engage in a shootout and win. For example, going to have to run the ball. Going to have to be, I don't want to say like hog the ball, but efficient. You're going to get third downs, convert them. If you can stay out of third down, great. Hit some deep pass plays, distribute the ball. Could be hard. Missing one, maybe two offensive linemen. One, maybe two running backs. 
that's hard. So I get that. Also one tight end. But if you've watched West Virginia, you've seen good stretches. They can go back and forth. They can answer. They can start. Um, not a problem. The other part is the problem, Chris. Now, historically, maybe not in this regime or maybe not consistently in this regime, there have been games where the offense on the other team has been top shelf. That happens in this conference. And then you look down at the end of the day, and you're like, wow, that defense did something. I think of some of the Tony Gibson defenses that could handcuff, for example, Baylor or Texas Tech. There's ways that it has to look. What is the recipe for the defense to kind of just get out of a, a shootout, to get a couple of stops, or just to put the clamps on TCU's defense? Let's just say hypothetically they're not going to go undefeated. They're going to have a bad day on the road. It happens Saturday. What does West Virginia have to do? How does that day look? So the key is winning first down. TCU is, I'm saying winning first down, and now I'm about to talk about third down, but it's related. TCU ranks as one of the best teams in the country, or or an above average team in the country in third down offense. Their offense stays on the field. It gets chunks of yards, and it does so because they typically have success on first down. Of course, it makes sense with that. They get short yardage for second and third down, and it makes it easier to get the first down and keep moving and going on and on. There's only one game where TCU really struggled to convert on third down, and that was the Oklahoma State game. In that game, they went 3 of 13 on third down. But again, it wasn't about what the Cowboys did on third down, but more so what they did on first down. Would you like to take a guess? at the average yards gained by TCU on the 10 sets of downs where they did not convert on third down. What what do you think they gained on average on first down? Oh, I have no idea, but this is right up my alley for like niche stats. So hit me, please. I'm, I'm enthralled. Negative 1.2 yards. Negative 1.2. Here are the 10, 10 first down plays of the 10 times that they did not convert in that game. Zero, three, zero, one, Four, negative 15, negative 7, 0, 1, 1. You win on first down. You it, it you win on first down makes you win on third down. Win on third down makes you win on defense, makes you win the game. It, it, it seems very simple. I'm obviously, you know, oversimplifying things. West Virginia does not have Oklahoma State's defense. But if you can slow down TCU on first down, it shutters their entire offense. Here's my, yeah, I think you're probably right, but this is what would spook me about that. Um, they run the ball really, really well. Yes, we'll and a lot that. on first down. And by a the ton way. on first down, yeah. So they're going to probably get positive yardage there. And their quarterback is so good in the secondary, and, and certainly one specific thing that I'm sure we'll get into that TC's offense does well, West Virginia's defense does not, is an easy first down gimmick. I, I'm wondering how many times we're not going to see like second and three, um, which would be a bad thing too. Chris, that's a great stat. It's my second favorite stat of the year now. What's the first one? TCU has not allowed a punt return this year. Only team in the country. That's not my stat, although that is impressive. Great great punter. Um, Australian, 29 years old. They have allowed zero punt return yards, which means average is zero. Their average of 0.00 yards per return. Where do you think that ranks nationally? I'm assuming up there at the top. You would think number one, right? Mm -hmm. Number five. (laughs) Army is allowing negative 10 yards per return. Rutgers, negative four. New Mexico State, which, again, if you haven't clinicked for special teams out in New Mexico State, I don't know what you're doing. Minus 0.75. And Illinois, minus (laughs) 0.67. Army, one return, negative 10 yards. Rutgers, two, negative eight. New Mexico State, Eight returns, negative six yards, and then Illinois, three for minus two. I just thought it was weird that you could not allow a return, obviously allow zero yardage, and somehow not be the best. So that'll be a challenge for West Virginia's defense. I'd, I'd like to bring up one nitpick here, Michael. Yeah. I, I'm looking because I'm looking at, uh, you know, I use CFB stats, uh, which I think you do for, for some of your stats as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at it. Technically, TCU doesn't even show up on the opponent punt return because they have had zero. Like I'm, I'm look, I was looking for them, and I see that there's only 130 teams listed instead of 131 because, as you noted, 
the only team with zero. So I think this is one of those like can't divide by zero kind of situations. So they technically aren't fifth. They're just in a. Mm. It's amazing. That it's kind of like how, how Pat McAfee technically had zero career starts. There you go. And I was always like, I always took offense to that for him. Like, I was like, don't you actually hold the record for a career? I think at that point it would have been career starts. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, you have no starts. And he kind of looked at me funny. I was like, you've started every game, right? Like, when was he not the kicker or the punter? He always was. He just wasn't out there for the first thing. And I don't know. I think I heard Pat McAfee's name this past week, didn't you? Yeah, I was about to ask if there's a reason you were bringing him up. Uh, I haven't seen it, Chris, so I can't comment on it. Okay. I actually have. That's the truth. I don't know what happened, but I know he said something, but. Such is the state of affairs right now. Yeah. Noon. Home game. We love that, right? We do. Home game. Is it as easy as playing at home? Not easy, I guess, but obviously you'd rather play at home. Probably don't want to play at Texas for a while, the way the last two trips there have gone in the first half. Although maybe the Texas Tech game was closer than meets the eye, I guess, in the first half. We'll see. Yeah. Um, a lot of home road splits. There are some things like, for example, drops. I think like they drop one, maybe two passes at home. All the others are on the road. Penalties, things like that. Um, they really do need to come home. They're home. You'd rather play an undefeated top seven ranked team with a great offense on your field. Second time in a row, though, Chris, here comes a team that is just kind of battle tested, too. I, I wonder at this point if the mission is such for TCU that it really doesn't matter where they play. And if the other team is as as forgiving as West Virginia has been, that kind of knocks down that that wall that might exist on the road. Yeah, I think we're still I mean, more than halfway through the season, but it's still a little skewed because of the Towson game, obviously being at home. But you look at, as you mentioned, the, the home road splits, and I'm looking at the more generic ones, like total offense, total defense, total offense, almost 200 more yards per game at home than on the road, uh, total defense, uh, what, 170, 130, or excuse me, 130 fewer yards allowed at home than on the road. So I think it, it's, it's not quite enough to really know if that's a huge home field advantage just because of that Towson game where they only allowed 180 yards and obviously went out for 65 points, but it does seem like they do play better at home than they are when they're outside of Morgantown. Last week, Texas Tech, coming off an open week, had played five games in five weeks against ranked teams. Certainly looked sharp. Um, TCU has played the last four games against ranked teams, won them all. Um, Like, the most consecutive wins against ranked teams, without a break, without interruption, since 1996. How much does that matter where the other team maybe just isn't phased because they're in a groove playing ranked teams, home, road, doing their thing, whether you've seen the top flight opposition like Texas Tech or you have seen and beaten and in the case of TCU, rallied. It it just kind of seems like you're in a certain gear. You're in the left lane. It really doesn't matter. You're getting around the traffic. You're getting to um, a better level of play, a more confident level of preparation a more certain response to any adversity you see because you've seen so much quality opposition in a row. It's a quirk on the schedule, but I wonder if that isn't a factor for West Virginia where they're just reading, they're meeting like, honestly, like battle tested teams. Yeah. I thought it actually might be helpful for West Virginia last week against Texas tech because they had played five in a row and I know they had the bye week right before, but it was five in a row and went two and three, which I think maybe the the three losses or the two and three record, however you want to phrase it there, uh, might have weighed on them mentally of not that the season was lost, but that sitting at three and three, as everybody in Morgantown knows, doesn't feel great in saying, hey, the schedule's tough only helps so much. So I think them playing five straight difficult games in a row and coming out with three losses might would have put them in a, in a bad spot. And <laughs> It didn't, or West Virginia is the get-right team um, for, for Texas Tech. But going four straight and winning all of them, I think how you phrase it there, they're in the left lane, they're cruising, they're feeling good. They're in another gear, and they probably feel like they 
are going to be favored in the remainder of their games. And honestly, I'm looking at their schedule right now. I mean, we know how good Texas Tech, Texas, Baylor are, but are any of those teams going to be favored over TCU right now? I don't think so. So there's an opportunity here for TCU to really run the table, and they have, they have faced the toughest games on their schedule so far, and they might be in a good spot. Like they they could have be as confident as any team in the country right now. At West Virginia, Texas Tech, at Texas, at Baylor, Iowa State. There's a chance, man. <laughs> there's a chance this ends up twelve and zero. <laughs> Which yeah. is not something anybody saw. This was the seventh place team in the preseason with a first year head coach. And uh, we'll get into some personnel that you kind of went, hmm, about in the past. And now you're going, oh boy, these, this actually worked. Are you ready to get into that personnel? Ready to get let's, into those matchups? Let's do it. Uh, what side do you want to start on? Because they're both really interesting to me. One you could go on and on about, and one you really have to dig into to try to figure out. Well, I think I kind of already got us started on, on West Virginia's defense versus TCU's offense with the first down, third down stuff. Um, so let's let's keep that going there. It's like a horror movie that starts with the slaying right at the very beginning, right? Let's get it out of the way. And if you want any sort of positivity, you can fast forward about five minutes, ten minutes. That's extremely positive. Wow, five <laughs> minutes. Um, just a very competent offensive outfit. It, to this point, too, down 17 against Oklahoma State. Win. Down 18 against Kansas State, win. Um, home game, home game, I get that. But they just know they can score points. Their defense, we'll get to, but they know they can score. And that's really good. And Chris, this, your boy, Max Duggan, can he do this? It seems like it. I mean, he, he slightly more than Spencer Sanders, has been my love-hate guy for like the last, it feels like six years, but it's only been four, I guess. He is a guy that felt could be special, could be this for the last three years. And then he comes up with a clunker. Uh, he'll he'll come up with a game where he's only completing 40% of his passes and has three turnovers. Um, now, obviously, West Virginia fans are hoping that's this week, but he hasn't had one yet this year. He has been extremely efficient with passing the ball. He's been very good at choosing when to run the ball. Um, and has only turned it over, I'm not sure on the fumble stats, but he only has one interception. And that's not normal for him. And the question is, is this the new him? Or is he going to revert to to what he once was, to to the guy that's completing again? Like uh, at West Virginia last year, he was not great. Two interceptions, only one touchdown. Um, ran seven times for 27 yards. Um, he, he's had other games. I'm looking at like the Kansas game here. They they blew them out, but he went three for 11 passing the ball, uh, 11 for 23, 11 for 23, a couple weeks later against Texas tech and, and so on and so forth. He has those types of games, but talking to people in Fort Worth, including our guy, Jeremy Clark over at Horn Frog Blitz, they say, this is the new him. And it, and it's in large part due to the new offense and that Sonny Cumbie has set it up. So that, he almost can't fail that that they've simplified the offense. They're not changing it. And it's just here are like the four or five things you have to do. Just focus on that and nothing else. And it seems to be working. He's due for the clunker. Or he's due for a game that makes you say this guy's in the Heisman Trophy race. Yeah. Like he it, hasn't had that oh game in either direction. We go, oh, that's that's Max Duggan out there. Or that says, oh, that guy could win the Heisman for an undefeated or an 11-1 Big 12 champion. Um, one of those is going to happen sooner or later, and that either excites you or frightens you. I don't know. Yeah, 19 touchdowns, one interception, completing 69% of his passes for 9.7 yards per attempt. And and just the, the numbers in games where they have been impressive, he's been impressive too. The interceptions, Kansas State, no fumbles, Chris. And, and you're right, here's a guy who ran sometimes because – that was his comfort zone. Just not doing that very much. Good numbers rushing, but I would say modest numbers rushing because him handing it off or just getting quick passes or passes to very different receivers, that's by far the best thing he can do. And then the odd thing, he's really only done this in six games. Like he was not the day one starter, correct? 
this yeah. year? He's two for three in the opening game against Colorado. Yeah. Uh, Chandler Morris, I believe, was their day one guy. He's out hurt. Um, and Duggan, believe it or not, has a year of eligibility left, too. For as long as he's been there, he's got another year left. Good story for him uh, and really has kind of made it happen, too. Um, can I, running game? Wait, can I ask you one more question about, about Duggan? Please. Do you believe that guys can be players of any, especially at this level, affected or feel cursed or whatever about playing at a certain spot or against a certain team? It's it's difficult for quarterbacks because sometimes you don't see a place twice because you get them every other year. So you may be a two-year starter. How many three-year starters do you see, right? Uh, he's, this will be his third game here, right? Did he this play last year or was he hurt? No, he played last year. But he was and, hurt though, right? And this is, the, this is the thing. In the two games in Morgantown, he is completing only 50% of his passes, averaging six yards per attempt, and has one touchdown to four interceptions. Mm. And even in the game in Fort Worth against WVU in 2020, you add that game mm. in, and that game was even, I mean, I guess even worse than that because he was 16 of 29 for 161 yards. So, yeah, he's averaging about, again, about six yards per attempt for his career against West Virginia with one touchdown and five interceptions. Uh, again, one in four um, in, in Morgantown and has never beat the Mountaineers. Uh, he's not even a threat with his feet in these games. He's tried to run. 25 times, and a handful of those are sacks. I think five of them, maybe, and only has 69 yards, which is, again, not normal for him. He seems to play better everywhere else except w- against WVU and against and in Morgantown. I think he had a bad leg all last year, a bad foot all last year, right? Um, Was it last so, year? Yeah. I mean, I know he's had, what, the heart issue one year, the yeah. foot issue one year, so he's... he's you know, he's had some some maladies, if you will. Remember, he he basically was medically retired. Right. Um, and then, I, like you said, a bad foot all last year. Just couldn't do a lot of stuff, but still ran a lot. And then I mean, they weren't very good on offense last year, but they've been unlocked this year. And here's what's what's crazy, Chris. And this comes into the value of coaching and, and reputation on offense and his confidence in your schemes. A lot of their offensive personnel is the same. Their offensive line is, is pretty experienced. We recognize the names of their receivers and running backs. The quarterback, obviously, we've been over, too. They're just so much better this year, and it begins with me with, one, they got Quentin Johnson going about eh, three, four games into this, and he's been I mean, he, he's been that first-round talent that everybody knew he could be. He's been that for a month now, and they just know what to do with other pieces. Like, you're a screen guy. You're a shallow cross guy. You are a gadget run play guy. You're the running back. Like, they just know exactly what to do, and they're incorporating pieces. Maybe peace we'll get to here, but um, – Really organized, collected, efficient on offense, and, and just good at what they do. But they have to tackle some people. Speaking of West Virginia, because these guys break tackles and, and just run by and run around and run through people too. The Quentin Johnson thing. I was not joking when I set that over under at two. What did I say? Two and a half or three and a half? On, it was three and a half, sir. I had that written down on my board. The uh, catching a hitch and spin into the outside. He catches outs and he and he with his, you know, with his body facing towards the quarterback, whatever route you want to call it, a hitch, a curl, and even an out uh, where he's kind of looking back at the quarterback. And when he has his back to the cornerback and his face towards the quarter, the quarterback, the guy passing him the ball, he spins to the outside, to the sideline every single time he does it. And every single time he breaks that tackle, it's it's amazing like I, I watched it and i thought it was happening and then i heard someone else mention it and then hey when the guys on espn in the booth are noticing it you know it's gotten pretty obvious and then you go and you look at the stats would you like to take a guess who leads the big 12 receivers and missed tackles forced after a catch uh tell me Quentin johnson would you like to know who is number four in all of college football among receivers and missed tackles forced Quentin Johnston. Like, oh, it's not Gunnar Henderson. No, it's not. This is this is going to be a night like it's a nightmare matchup because this is something the tackling in the secondary and 
Mike, whatever the sources are that informed us of the secondary tackling issues in fall camp, mm-hmm. we're going to have to move them up the source board, if we will, because their info, obviously, legit. Because th- this has been the big one of the biggest concerns. I- I'm trying to decide what's been worse from the secondary, the tackling or the coverage. And I'm leaning towards the tackling. And I think maybe the coaching staff does as well, especially given the comments from, from Neil Brown and Jordan Leslie this week. Yeah. He'll drop some passes. Dropped two last week, five in the year. Um, to your point, though, Chris, this is a, a, a potent combination. Average depth of target, 11.9 yards. Pretty good, right? Um, that means he goes vertical a lot, and he he catches screens too. So you you mix in zero, minus one, minus two, to get to twelve yards a target. That's pretty good. However, eight yards after contact per reception. It's like twenty yards basically every time. He's getting it, he's getting hit, and he's running another eight yards. So catch a twelve yards down the field, run eight yards, you're moving to twenty yards. Um, it's just very good. Six four two fifteen. He's there are whispers. He's like a four three four four guy. Just athletically very good, and you're right. His his spin move is like the Sam Young shot fake version of college basketball. You know what's coming. What do you do? Um, just very good. And then they have other guys too. Darius John, excuse me, Darius Davis has 15 touchdowns in his career combined: uh, rushing, receiving, punt return, kick return. He brought the opening kickoff back 100 yards last year. Should be an adventure with West Virginia special teams against him. Although West Virginia three punt returns, six yards for their defense this year. They're up in that upper echelon too. Um, they just have targets. They, and again, they know what to do. Big guy Johnson, small guy Davis. Tay Barber is the guy that they've had for many years and, and just kind of have things that he can do. Jet stuff, short stuff, screens. Not a vertical guy. Didn't ask him to be a vertical guy. They've blended in Savion Williams lately. He's been effective. That's another guy that's got some size to him. Just a nice mix of players. And now, um, with the, you, the you, ominous you, words, go sorry. ahead. I because we were talking about Quentin Johnson and his yards after catch per reception. Mm-hmm. And I have the page up and I go and I hit the sort by button so that I can sort by that category. Um, you know, minimum 20 targets, I think, is reasonable at seven games into the season. Uh, oh, there he is, TCU, right there at the top. Oh, no, that's not Quentin Johnston. That's Darius Davis leading the entire Power Five football conferences, all 65 teams, in yards after the catch per reception. Okay, let me find him down here. He's right here. There he is, number number 14. Oh, no, that's Tay Barber with 8.4 yards after the catch per reception. And then Quentin Johnson, 21. So they have three of the top 21 receivers in all. All of Power 5 football. All of Power 5 football right now. So far this year, West Virginia has only played one other receiver that was in the top 21, and that was Baldwin from Baylor. Mm. Is that bad? So (laughs) West Virginia hasn't quite seen what this is yet. I mean, Baldwin didn't exactly, I think we all expected Baldwin to kind of have a big game. Um, he had a huge game the week before against Oklahoma State. Uh, only had, I believe it was like two catches, but for 40-some yards um, against West Virginia, he caught a couple long ones. But um, again, three of the top 21 in yards after the catch per reception. Yeah, and it's an array of bodies too. Big guys, little guys, little guys are stout. The big guys can be thick, they can be long. And then we haven't talked about their tight end. This is where it's ominous. Jared Wiley, I think Jared, Jordan yeah, Jordan Leslie said the best guy they've seen all season. Um, like 6'7", 260 and runs, and they run screens for him. And we'll get to this, Chris. Screens. Lots of screens. Um, I mean, I, I wrote the story this week. Like, no one does screens as often as TCU. And obviously, few teams are as good at it. You wouldn't be doing it so much if you weren't so good at it. Eh, maybe that's not true, because what we saw last week probably wasn't a great representation of that. But... Screens to big guys, screens to little guys, screens to a tight end. Um, this is, I don't, I don't want to simplify it, and sometimes I wonder if you're so bad at something one week, you got to be better the next. But West Virginia was terrible against the screen game against TCU, excuse me, Texas Tech, played too far at the ball, just messed up the pursuit. And, and here comes a team that just runs a ton of screens, too. 
is this as big of a factor as the stats and performances assist, or is this just maybe like spoke on the wheel and, and TCU just does a lot of stuff on offense. And that's one thing you got to deal with. I think it, it's, it's one thing, but it's an important thing because again, Darius Davis, who we just talked about is leading the entire country in yards after the catch per reception. His average depth of target is 2.9 yards. Like he is their, their, their quick hit screen guy. And you know, when you, when you are, Averaged, you know, targeted like at the line of scrimmage, basically, but still getting 13 yards. That's a problem, like because the 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 benefit of or the positives of these screen passes is that you get the ball out in space quickly. The negative is you have to get the yards after the catch. Davis gets the yards after the catch. Barber gets the yards after the catch. So West Virginia is going to have to. Yeah, I, I don't know if you want to be pressing up too hard on this, but they have to be able to tackle the ball and and fly to the ball because that that is maybe I mean the one on one tackling in space has been an issue, but the kind of gang tackling and, and everybody coming to the ball thing is another problem entirely. And Neil Brown talked about it this week. It's something that. I commented on, I think I want to say back in the Baylor game, maybe even the week before that, um, or maybe against Texas, because there were plays where West Virginia would get the ball and and somebody would kind of hold up the ball carrier or the receiver, and he'd have to dance a little bit, try to make a move. And by the time he did a little dance, there were four tacklers there to take him down. When West Virginia has a guy out in space and holds up a receiver by making him dance a little bit, getting in front of him, you know, he's waiting on the, the cavalry to come behind him and it just never comes, which is what Neil Brown's talking about when he's talking about effort and guys not coming to the ball. And, and that's something that's been going on for a few weeks now. And and this is not the game to be putting guys out on an island like that. Now, and we'll get into what chance, what choice they have here in a second. But uh, opponents for the season, Chris, against West Virginia, 31 of 35 on screens. Which, listen, that sounds bad. It's that's a screen. It's a long handoff. You you really should be close to 100 percent there. But 358 yards and that one long touchdown against Baylor. Um, that's 10 yards in the attempt on screen passes. Where you're you're liking your odds to get a couple of yards there. Again, long handoff. Are you expecting to get 10, 12, 15 yards in every handoff? No, but move it. Eat up some field. Eat up some green flip the field in the boundary, play fast, whatever. Different teams have different goals there, but it's like a long handoff. It's supposed to be a modest game, get you in a good down and distance for the next play. Ten yards an attempt. That's mm-hmm. troubling. Um, you go to TCU, what they do, 27% of Duggan's attempts are screens. He's 52 for 57 for 427 yards, four scores. Um, so, again, not not quite 10 yards of reception, not attempt there, but healthy. Uh, Johnson, 6'4", 2'15", pretty much one on every four targets is a screen. Davis, 5'10", 175. One on every eh, 1.8 targets is a screen for him. <laughs> That's what they do with him. And then, again, the tight end gets him, the running back gets him, the running backs get him out of the flat, the running backs get him a receiver. They just do a lot of stuff there, too, and they're very efficient at it. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Um, going to West Virginia's defense here. Charles Woods will play who knows how much. Rashad Ajay out. Wes McCormick, TBD. Mumu Bin Wahad, TBD. Lance Dixon out. 
um, we'll get to the spear in a minute, but um, I'm, no one's making excuses, but it's hard to be good when your good players aren't available. That's three cornerback starters, a reserve, a really important position for Lance Dixon. It's hard to go into these these gunfights as we're talking about. If you're trying to engage in a shootout without all your bullets here, who who or what has to matter Saturday? Is it as simple as whoever they put out there has to tackle? Do you think somebody gets picked on? Um, is it hey here's a tell? This one guy will play off the ball every time he's on the field side. Let's throw a screen over there. They have to watch film of themselves. I'm rambling here because the the potential for bad is, is such that kind of stimulates that sort of conversation, but also they might find solutions there and they might know how, how bad things are that it's easy to fix, which sounds weird, but I just think their problems are so glaring. All right, fix this and this, and it'll be better. Okay. Who's doing it? I don't know. As you're talking about it and the fixing the problems, all I'm picturing in my mind are those old cartoons of a guy in a boat and one link, one leak springs through and he plugs one finger in there. And then another leak pops over here, sticks finger in there. And then another, 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 and all of a sudden he's got 16 fingers. Um, Jordan Leslie doesn't have 16 fingers. You know, he's not a cartoon. There's too many leaks. I don't think there's one in particular spot, one in particular player. I think it's an issue that's that's kind of surrounding most of the entire secondary. And some of it's not like, you know, is it Jacoby Spells' fault? He's a true freshman. Like, yeah, is it is it Malachi Ruffin's fault? Like, he's a walk-on that, you know, wasn't expected to be in this role. Um, you know, Charles Woods hurt. Ajayi hurt. McCormick been hurt. Um, you're kind of going up and down the list here of what's left and who, what you can do. And, you know, somebody asked me in that VIP mailbag, hey, who needs to play more out of these young guys? And you and I talked about it on the podcast a little bit, and it was like, who's left? Who's left? Like to try, like you're going down the list and, and the guys left are Jalen Shelton, who just came back from injury. So he hasn't really been available until just last week and only played a couple snaps. Um, Raleigh Collins is, uh, is he a safety? Is he a linebacker? He's kind of mixed in between, has only been playing um, special teams mostly. Um, I, I, they're trying to redshirt him, I'm sure, but does he get thrust into a bigger role? Are we even sure what position he plays? Um, and, and then you go down what, uh, Christian Stokes, he's been hurt for a while. So who knows if he's even able, able to play Mumu Ben Wahad has reportedly been hurt. So what are your options? I don't, I just don't think there are many. I'm not, I'm not defending anything. Like the, there's a reason, you know, you're at that spot and, and it's because, you know, you didn't properly replace or, or, or um, or retain, but there aren't many other options to kind of re- to to put guys in and try something new at this point. They, they have been rolling guys in and trying something new. So I think it's just a situation where you just hope a couple guys improve, try to scheme it differently, try to keep it so that they're not getting picked on too much. But there's just not one player that because once you shade one way or protect one way or protect one guy, you're exposing somewhere else and it's going to be a problem. We'll um we'll stop the parade here for TC's offense, but we haven't talked about their running game which is probably what they do best. Um, some of their best personnel is actually in the backfield. Kendra Miller, um, 6.7 yards per attempt for his career. Pretty good. Uh, their offensive line is good. They have a big blocking tight end. West Virginia's run defense, better than its pass defense. But again, why are you running the ball against West Virginia? Um, the Dixon injury to me seems important because that's that that field side defender that spear sets the edge. What did Neil Brown talk about last week? The edges weren't there on the screen stuff on some of the outside run plays. Um, he only played nine snaps. Davis Malinger is a good player in time. I don't think he's had a great season thus far, but also you're asking a redshirt freshman who's, you know, high school receiver. And for all of the hesitation about playing Andrew Wilson Lamp, Malinger is pretty much the same background, right? So. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're the same person. He's obviously a little bit further ahead, but dealing with some of the same issues. So you can't be too hard on him. I think they tried to give him help, for example, by moving Dixon over there, but he's not available. That just seems like a big injury to me because it's a valuable defender in the run. They don't really have a backup there now, especially if Name Muhammad isn't going to travel. He didn't play last week and travel. He hasn't been around lately. And again, not a name a lot of people know, but he's one of their other spears. Perhaps they can move. You know, Jasir Cox back over there. I don't know who the other Will is. It'd be X-Ray Lowe and who. 
they're they're really stuck there. That's not a position that's I know there's some flexibility and you can move some things around, but they just don't have the personnel to do it. Fortunately for them, their secondary, their depth chart question marks. They're not playing a team that plays with a ton of tempo, about 20 snaps fewer a game than Texas Tech. No one plays as fast as Texas Tech. I get that. But really thin back there. And, and if I had to circle one, like, listen, their corner play hasn't been very good. Dixon hasn't even had a great season. But just the the scarcity of people and the specificity of that position with regard to the run, which is what TCU does well, that's one that I really am paying attention to. What do they do without a spear or a backup spear or playing Malinger a whole bunch? I don't know who else figures in there if it's not someone like I mean, I don't know. Collins is a uh, was a will the other day. Lathan's a middle linebacker. Muhammad, even if he has to play, we're talking about plugging a guy in who doesn't play. Like I just, I don't know what they're going to do there. Asked a question, got an answer from Leslie about. Well, the good thing is it's a flexible position. I don't know who flexes over there. Not Short a good position you. to be in. Yeah. Like seriously, who's who would be their other spear? I have no idea. I guess we'll take him off the field. We'll just put out another bandit. It'll be fine. I think so. And that's TCU's offense. Now we'll get to the good news. Uh, West Virginia's offense, capable. TCU's defense is present. What do they do well, Chris? Um, hmm. They're not terrible at run defense. And that's... I mean, I, I. It depends on it depends on who you ask because I'm not sure if anybody asked, but Neil Brown said they were one of the better defenses in the country in the Big Twelve during his press conference on Tuesday. He said that. He did, right? right. To be honest, Chris, I, there was a lot of stuff going on Tuesday <laughs> that I was trying to keep track of. I know he's. I know he touted them. I wasn't sure what the superlatives were. Superlatives yeah. are. Definitely on the menu on Tuesdays, but I wasn't sure. I know we, I know we talked yeah. him up, but I was like, "Really? Is it okay?" Look, yeah, let's let's maybe I'll take back if he said best. I will go back and listen to it, but he did tout them, as you said, talk them up, which again mm-hmm. you expect during Coach Beak. But I remember feeling like it was strong, over the top, if you will. Especially maybe it was because I was sitting there as he was talking, um, looking at some of the stats, looking at some of the players that he was talking about. And going, wait, TCU ranks 90th in total defense. Like, they've given up an average of 30-some points per game in Big 12 play. Uh, This is the area where West Virginia should, could, should, you know, make an impact. Because they've given up playing in their four Big 12 games, 24, 31, 40, and 28. Now, that's not the worst in the world, but that's... If you can score that many points against TCU, you're in the game. You're in the picture. Um, so this is an area that, again, this is why I feel like this is going to be one of those games that could end up 38-35, 42-31, something like that, where there's 70-some points scored and it's actually close late because no one's really playing good defense. Rush defense. Mm-hmm. And again, this this is not necessarily the strength of West Virginia's offense, but something they want to do. They're going to have to do it very shorthanded. Um, no Tony Mathis. That right elbow is a problem. Um, Justin Johnson. Listen, I'll, I'll be surprised. <clears throat> I'll be surprised if he plays. Um, and I'm not sure how good he'll be if he plays. Just just what I've heard that he's that's like a concerning injury for him. He can come back this year, but like not easy to play running back with what's up with him. Anyhow. Um, Colorado, just one of the worst teams in the FBS, ran for 113 yards. Tarleton State, which is Tarleton State, ran for 85. SMU, kind of a, a, a running gun kind of team, 104. Non-conference play, nothing great there. They get four touchdowns, but you're talking 3.9, 3.0, 2.81 yards per carry. Nothing great. Conference play, Chris. Oklahoma, 179. Kansas, 189. Oklahoma State, 141. Kansas State, 158. Teams did it with... Different things, different ways to run the running back, different gimmicks on their offense. Oklahoma ran the ball out because they were getting boat racing, lost their quarterback. But you're talking again, 3.7, 5, 3.4, 5.3 yards per carry. And quantity, too. 49, 38, 41, 30. There's something there. Can West Virginia hammer away at it with the quantity? 
a lot of Donaldson and presumably Jalen Anderson, maybe Mark Juan Rucker. I don't know. If they're down two running backs, I might have to play somebody. Heck, maybe not. Who knows? It didn't last week. But eight touchdowns, healthy yards per carry, healthy number of carries per game. Um, it would keep the TCU offense on the sideline. It might get West Virginia some confidence or they can win some some man-on-man battles up front. It just seems like that, you know, in conference play, you're talking greater than four yards of carry, 40 attempts a game, eight touchdowns against TCU's defense. And by the way, their secondary is no doubt the strong part of their defense. So go where it's weak, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, it feels like this probably could hold true for just about any game, for any team in any year. But maybe more so this game than any other, the key here might be for West Virginia to get a lead early and sit on it. Like, I mean, I know I know fans hate that, but we've seen West Virginia do that. We've seen West Virginia do that against TCU, especially, of getting up 14, 10, whatever, and basically taking the air out of the ball and, and trying to just limit um, limit drives, limit opportunities. They've done it earlier this year. They've had success with it. I get it that it's boring. I get that, um, you know, it's not enjoyable to watch. But I think maybe if West Virginia can get up 10, if they get up, if they get up by more than one score at any point, I would fully employ the second half versus Texas offense. Of what, what do we end up counting that out as? Like three possessions per team, four possessions per team in a, an entire half of play. I mean, maybe that's what West Virginia has to do if they can, because I know they're capable on offense. But I just think it's almost like uh, you know an underdog in in March Madness where they want to limit possessions to increase their chances of winning. Because I think the more it goes on, the more it ends up in a shootout. And I know we've talked about it being a shootout, and maybe that's what West Virginia, but. If you can get a lead, try to limit the other team's chances to score because I just think over time, the more opportunities TCU gets, the the better they'll have of scoring. And West Virginia has the run game to kind of deflate the game. Last four teams that TCU has played mm-hmm. lost a starting quarterback in the game. Really? So that, yes. Um, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Dylan Gabriel and Jalen Daniels both taken out by Jamoy Hodge. One on the targeting play, one just on a sideline tackle. Um, that that hit definitely spoiled Gabriel for a game and more, and then maybe sent that offense sideways for a little bit. Daniels out for the season, perhaps. Kansas may not be bowl eligible, which was a joke. Initially, because they were five yeah. and zero, you're like, oh, they're five and one. Are they going to get bowl eligible without their quarterback? <laughs> we'll see. Sanders got sidelined during that game, um, and then last week knocked out Adrian Martinez, not Hodge, knocked out Adrian Martinez early on. So four straight games, the starting quarterback knocked out. Take the head off the monster. Um, not as scary, not as effective. And all those teams had good quarterbacks that meant a lot to their offenses. Same situation at West Virginia. JT Daniels has not been as prolific as any one of those four passers or four quarterbacks in their offense, but certainly is the the lead here for West Virginia's offense. Um, maybe no Wyatt Milam. They're hopeful he plays. Definitely no James Gamitter. If Milam doesn't play, they're going to have to play the two right tackles that they did not want to play this year. So don't forget, when they started the season, the right tackle was Doug Nestor. He's not been entrenched as a right guard. They moved into the right tackle because they were kind of hesitant about playing Jaquay Hubbard and Brandon Yates. That might be your left tackle, right tackle on Saturday. And listen, Hubbard's probably gotten a lot better since they had reservations about playing him. Yates, we'll see. Yates will probably be back home at the left tackle where he was before, but certainly some concern there. Um, But to me, it just comes down to they play 40% of their snaps in man-to-man according to pro football focus. It might be more than that. They have the personnel to do it. They have one of the best corners in the Big 12. They're aggressive. They're successful against the pass. And as recently as last game, and certainly – more glimpses throughout the season than just last game. West Virginia's receivers just haven't been able to get open. All the contested targets, that's cool. You'd love to have guys who are open, though, and that just hasn't happened enough. And you got to scheme up ways to do this and figure out ways to get guys open. I, I don't know how to answer this, how to ask this question, Chris. So good luck answering it. But, I mean, how important is it just to liberate your receivers on Saturday? It's going to be tough. I mean, it's it's extremely important because, yeah, 
again, we've been talking about how they struggle to get open. They struggle to get separation. And this is probably not the matchup you want when you're having that problem. Um, as you noted, a lot of man coverage. And with two very, very, very good cornerbacks in Hodges, Tomlinson, and Newton. Um, and they, they really get after you. And, and according to PFF, they both corners hold opposing quarterbacks to an uh, NFL quarterback rating under 70 and completion percentages around 43 to 45%. Um, that's not winning football if you're targeting them. So where do you go then? I'm glad you asked, Mike. I was going to say, I'm listening, please. <laughs> this is what I'm going to call the slippery Sam James opportunity. Because, hmm. again, the two outside corners, Newton, Hodges, Tomlinson, tough, very tough. It's going to be very hard for, very difficult for Prather and Bryce Ford Wheaton to get separation, get open, make catches. But Sam James in the slot, the guys who typically line up at what's called slot corner for them, Abraham Kamara, uh, you know, catching percentage a little over 50%, not great. Not too bad, 80%. But the big thing here is he leads the team with missed tackles after the catch. On 27% of his attempts to make a tackle, a wide receiver breaks that tackle. And then the other guy who ends up in coverage on slots a lot is a guy that we highlighted in this piece last year, and West Virginia ate him alive. And that was linebacker D winners. Yeah. Because if team he's, he's a good player, like, but he is kind of one dimensional because in coverage, he is terrible. He has been terrible. He was horrible last year and West Virginia ate him up this year. I 75% of passes when he's in coverage are completed. He has, and then he ha, on those passes, he has five missed tackles after the catch in 16 opportunities or 20, excuse me, 20 opportunities. So about 25% of the time he is missing a tackle as well. So these are the two guys that are going to be covering that slot. These are the two guys that are going to be covering kind of that middle portion, middle short portion of the field. And I know Sam James has been going up field some, but this is one where I feel like he can kind of get those, those mesh patterns across the middle, the little short crossing routes, Whatever it is where you can get the ball in his hands and make him make a move and see what he can do because we've seen it from him before. We've seen him be fantastic, and we've seen him disappear for entire games. And But if West Virginia wants to be able to win, wants to be able to get this passing game going, I think he is the guy that's going to be targeted a lot more on Saturday than maybe he has so far this season. Interesting. Um, hmm. How do they free him up? I guess that's the thing. Yeah. And this is what's going to be what's going to be so fun to watch. They they know they have an issue now with the coverage, and I'm sure that other teams watching film, especially a team that plays as much man as TCU does, says, "Ah, let's press him or play close." Right? Do you do bunches? Do you do stacks? Whatever. There's going to be a lot of that too. But the slot rarely ever is covered and pressed. Just rarely is. And that would be non exotic for either team, but that might be an advantage for TCU to to be wary of there because they do seem to like Sam James. Um, that's the one guy they've been complimentary of at the receiver position, in addition to Prather and, and the way he's grown. But um, the one guy, I mean, you see those those slot fades, those verticals in the slot. That's because James is free at the line of scrimmage. He doesn't get jammed very much. He doesn't, you know, doesn't have to run away from uh, the conflict at the point of the attack, whereas other guys have to spend even split seconds hand fighting, footwork, and all that. The play's already going on. In the meantime, James is getting vertical or getting angled and, and getting past somebody or getting inside somebody. And he's going to be faster than guys he encounters in the middle of the field too. So that's something to watch here. Good tip. Um, Thomason's been around forever, right? Mm-hmm. Feels like it. Just feels like a, a, a good player has been there for a while too. Um, however, not been there forever would be Newton transfer. Who's excellent in zone, by the way. Um, just jumps on balls like he, he gets his hands on passes a bunch and a, a good zone defender if they go that way too. transfer from Louisiana Monroe Mark Perry transfer safety Colorado let's see Jared Wiley the tight end transfer from Texas I'm going down the list they have impact transfers here a lot of transfers 
I mean, no, no more, no less than West Virginia, about the same number. They've hit on a couple of them, which kind of goes over what we've talked about. Um, they have depth guys who play. They have impact players, offense, defense. Don't have a ton of them. Have enough where it made a difference. Can we talk about Newton for a second? Go for it. Good player. Also, they're a, they're a linebacker, top tackler. Transferred from Navy. Navy. Would you have rolled your eyes if you're a fan if West Virginia acquired a defender from Navy? Probably, right? Yeah. Scouted him, got him here. He's been very productive, Johnny Hodges. Go ahead, though, please. On Newton, this is going to be this is going to be tough to listen to, um, especially given West Virginia's current situation in the secondary. But Newton was a guy they wanted in the transfer portal. Yeah. Left Louisiana Monroe, Louisiana Monroe, actually entered the transfer portal back in December and was thinking about enrolling for the spring. And West Virginia kind of turned him away, went another direction, turned him away. He went back to Louisiana Monroe for spring football when he originally planned to transfer, then re-entered the transfer portal after spring ball and ended up signing with TCU after that. Um, there he is, one of the better cover corners in the Big 12 that West Virginia could have added back in December and didn't. And now he ends up on a rival Big 12 team and is in starting and flourishing while West Virginia is, you know, playing musical chairs with freshmen and walk-ons in the secondary right now. It's, it's a tough, you know, we've been talking a lot about West Virginia striking out on the transfer portal ins and outs. And, and this is one of the tougher ones that, you know, I think a lot of people forgot just because West Virginia went another direction. Let's let's just add to this and have people just winging their keyboard around their <laughs> office or just slamming the steering wheel. Are you ready? Like, Go for it. He, he's very good. And, and don't ask me why I know this, but like, like I, I just know a little bit about him for whatever reason. Like, here's a guy who was actually recruited to play receiver in the Sun Belt. He's six foot, uh, high school receiver, fine player. Um, they looked at him and they're like, eh, maybe. January enrollee. They moved him to corner in the spring, right? Redshirt freshman year, he starts at the boundary, which, if you're not familiar, that's probably the harder of the corner position. You're going to see more vertical shots there. So, hey, go out and just chase guys around in the sun belt, up the rail, playing man-to-man. Field's hard, too, because you're guarding a lot of space. But anyways, to be a field or boundary guy means you're good at one thing, and they put him there. It's not like left corner, right corner. They put him whatever the short side of the field was, they put him there. And then just routinely starting plays, making pass breakups. Very good in man. But it's also like so fast, so long, so sudden. He's also really good in zone. Actually, uh, his zone stats, according to Pro Football Focus, 13 targets, three catches with four pass breakups. So he's good. Just a good player. Um, passing game is going to be hard for West Virginia. Um, just because the personnel there, too. They're going to have to be precise and exact. And, you know, Daniels will have to be a little bit more accurate. And maybe make better decisions on some things. I know he got burned on one where I believe a receiver fell. And I mean, he he kind of admits he goofed up the, the interception late against Baylor. And that's not his pattern of behavior decisions. When I say decisions, I mean, I don't mean like forcing balls or going there. But I think maybe who he's throwing to as well in some situations. Like verticals of certain ball, vertical balls of certain guys may not be the best idea. Um, deep up the scene of certain guys may not be the best idea. The other thing is, like, does he check it down to anybody? Do they have plan B, plan C on plays? We'll see. He's certainly good enough to cycle through those plays. Um, I imagine this game is extremely exciting for him because he can sit down and look at the different matchups and challenges and what TCU's defense will do. Uh, The defensive coordinator is Gillespie, who for a long time was kind of an unheralded, say like star, but like Tulsa's defenses were so good for so many years, and he was the guy pulling the strings there. Comes to the Big 12, um, I think their hallmark is that they just don't do a lot and they're really good out of it. If you're JT Daniels and you're seeing just the same pictures over and over and over and over, you got a great memory. You're very good at diagnosing things. I wonder what he may have up his sleeve. I think that's a guy who you might look at and say is due or who wants to have a big game or could be unleashed. We'll see. Again, without a lot of running backs here, you're missing a tight end. Perhaps see a lot of light 10 personnel. Maybe you see empty sets. I don't know. We'll see. But if the defense is going to be if the defense is going to do more with fewer things and just be very good at a small number of stuff, maybe not unlike an air raid offense or like one of those offense coordinators that just says, we're going to run a handful of plays, rep the heck out of them, dress them up with different formations of personnel. The personnel stays the same. 
for TCU, but they may do some different looks. But if the ball is snapped and it reverts to one of a small number of things, to me it's very intriguing to think about what a guy like Daniels may do or be able to do or have ready to go. And if he's capable of something special, memorable on Saturday. Um, is he do? I don't know. But could he do something? Absolutely. I think that's what West Virginia fans are hoping for. I mean, I don't know if we need to keep rehashing the he's been fine but not amazing thing that I, you know, I, I don't I don't want to keep dogging on that because being good to above average for six out of seven games, I think 95% of the teams in the country would take that at quarterback. Um, but, yeah, I think this is an opportunity for him. I agree with you that the chips are kind of stacked against him or the deck stacked against him, and he has the chance to kind of show why he was a five-star quarterback, why he was coveted by every team in the country, why this this coaching staff brought him in to, um, as he put it, uh, or, or his dad or whoever it was, to get 10 wins. You know, the, the, he was supposed to be the difference maker that put this team over the top, and I think this is an opportunity. This is one of those games where he can kind of take the reins and, and really, you know, lift this offense and lift this team. Let's wrap it up, Chris. Noon game, awesome. We'll be talking 4.30-ish maybe, depending on how mm-hmm. long the post game goes, depending on who talks to us after the game. Leave it at that. Who are we talking about? What are we talking about? Top of our mind to explain the outcome of Mountain Newfield. All right, I won't take JT Daniels since we just talked about him, but I think we're talking about C.J. Donaldson because I think it does come down to if West Virginia wins this game, it's because they controlled the offense, they controlled the ball, they got the running game going, they sat on it. I mean, it, it it's not exciting, and I think you know when this defense isn't working, West Virginia is going to have to score 40 points. But West Virginia has found more success in beating TCU by winning 27 to 10, 24 to 13. If they can get the run game going and kind of milk this clock and limit possessions, I think West Virginia has a better chance of winning that kind of football game than they do a 42-35 type game. So I think we're going to be talking about the comeback from C.J. Donaldson, who really seemed to start, you know, started a little slow in his return last week but then picked it up as the game went along. I don't know how you can disagree with that for West Virginia, so I won't. I don't know how you can disagree with TCU offense against West Virginia defense, and I'll narrow it down. I just think Duggan's that guy that people are waiting to talk about, and like it's to the point now where you just kind of think, wait, why aren't people talking about him? It's because the past. And he just got out of a, a stretch of four straight games against ranked teams. They won, they came back, they played from the front, they just did everything they were supposed to do, and he was – Excellent. Excellent. But that one game that we, we've talked about before, that clunker is out there somewhere you worry about if you're a fan of TCU. But also, this is a team that he could put up huge numbers against, too. Could he end up with 100 yards rushing and 300 yards passing, something crazy like that? Could he run to the end zone and do the highs and pose? I don't know. We'll see. My point being that it, it seems like a boomer bust game for him, and I think that's what we're talking about. I think the defense will have – like the the guy who's on the uh, the tarmac in the airport who's just got the two orange wands and is waving the plane toward the end zone or New York for the Heisman ceremony or is waving the X and saying, not today. Um, had some pride, got tired of being embarrassed, came in undermanned, played good defense, forced a couple turnovers. I'm not saying like make his life miserable. Maybe you get a pick. Maybe you get your hands on the ball when he's running. Maybe something happens that's more familiar when you look at his career. Or he's just that guy. I just think it's going to come down to Duggan. He, he's either that guy that he's been all year, or he's that guy that you know is somewhere in the shoulder pads, in the helmet, who has been playing his position this year. I don't know if you test him, if you try to let him prove who or what he is, but I, I just you've seen this story so many times and narratives and all that, that sooner or later a guy has a breakthrough moment or a breakdown moment. I think that's where we're going to be. Up in the press box from your office Saturday evening. It's a big one. Needless to say. Large. We'll be rolling out all the previews as normal. You have this. You'll have the key matchups and Chris, which have been extremely accurate lately, have they not? They have been 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 some key things. Not that not that West Virginia is taking advantage of them or or the opponents have been taken, but it's 
it's what's become the issue in almost every game so far, at least one or two of the three things that I mentioned. So important reading, uh, fresh set, your fresh set is extremely important reading. I think you guys need to get on that every morning before the game. Um, You'll be up, what, you put it up Friday night, you being giving everybody a treat again. See, a new game had to go up a little bit earlier. Also accurate, except I don't have three things. You have three matchups. I have like 10 on the first down, three other downs. Like, it's much longer. I'm going to get one of those right eventually. But there you go. Speaking of accurate, charity bets. (laughs) Got that coming this week. Yeah. Accurate. I don't know if accurate is an accurate term there, Mike. I kind of feel like I'm the Bob Huggins gif. I'm popping out of the coffin here. I hit my head on it once. I didn't quite get it open. I fell down and slammed my fingers, but I'm getting there. I'm going to pop out of that coffin soon. I'm showing signs. I, I, I don't think I've ever hated a Mac team as much as I hate Toledo. That was brutal. Up up three touchdowns and had the ball in the fourth quarter, or three scores and had the ball in the fourth quarter, and somehow I ended up losing. It's just amazing. I, I just I was in such a hard spot. I was looking for like injuries, and I found the four string quarterback for Utah State against Wyoming after Wyoming was on a bye, and I was like, "Yep, give it to me." And it worked. Yep. So I got to go. I got to find who's hurt, who's <laughs> in the road, so on and so forth. Plenty more coming on the site Saturday noon. West Virginia number seven TCU highest ranked opponent since Baylor was number six in 2016. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Long Thanks time. So. Special occasion, some number of people will be at the game, will be there to have you covered before, during, and after. Until then, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you then. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.